Welcome everyone to the X Factor Files podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm Philip. And hey, we have Josh Trujillo here. Josh, how's it going? I'm doing well, you know, beating the summer heat or trying to. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, a peek behind the curtain um, with the podcast. This is coming out in early November, but we are uh, doing our homework way ahead of time and recording it in the midst of summer. And maybe I shouldn't have said that because maybe climate change has made a fall also a hell on earth. Who knows? I guess we'll find out in a few months. Um, so, Josh, I invited you on and you selected from a couple choices Captain America. So um, you're familiar with the entity of Captain America and um, sort of what he stands for because you had a hand in creating a Captain America. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, Christopher Cantwell, Jan Bazaldua, and I co-created Aaron Fisher, uh, aka the gay Captain America, aka the Captain America of the railways. Uh, he's a teen runaway who takes on the mantle of Captain America to protect his community. Um, I just wrote him in a six-part Marvel Unlimited short story, so um, you can check that out on the app and we give him new powers then. So it's actually a big threshold moment for the character. Um, and I'm just excited to see where he comes from, goes from there. And it, awesome. yeah, it has to feel so cool to put some, an idea out there and see where it goes from there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like the response to the character has been like really positive throughout and just kind of overwhelming. Um, and it's amazing to be, you know, in a small way, like a part of that Captain America legacy, right? Like there's a, there's a through line from like Joe Simon and Jack Kirby to me for some reason. But in the midst of that, we're taking a stop with Mark Grunewald, um, who wrote Captain America for over a decade, I want to say. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, I mean, Grunewald, it was his property at the same time that um, Peter David was doing a big Hulk run, Grunewald had Captain America. So I asked you to read annual number 12, um, which like every single annual this year has a first appearance of a character. Um, we have a character named Bantam or the Bantam. It depends on how you want to address him. And it, it was not a complex read. So Josh, when you were chatting before we started recording, you said it was fairly straightforward. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, what is it? It's his, it's his origin, it's his big adventure with Cap, and then it's kind of, where does he go next? And there's not, this is just a straightforward adventure story, and I think that's really exciting. Bantam is kind of draped in a lot of weird, sometimes problematic stuff. We'll probably get into that as we discuss the issue. But Mark Grunewald knows how to do meat and potatoes sto storytelling, superhero stuff. You know, he's the pro. Agreed. Um, and it gave him an opportunity to take a break from Cap storytelling because Captain America is in here a little. Um, out of 64 pages, he appears in maybe like 10. So, um, Philip, before we dive in, what are your thoughts on this and reading Captain America as a title. I think this is my very first Captain America title or book that oh, I've wow. read. Yeah, so most of my experiences with him have been through video games, which is how I got into this whole thing through Daryl of 
uh, exploring X titles and now all the stuff from third grade, I think we were for 1993. So um, it, some of the other folks that we've had on have talked about characters being like brought down off the shelf. And I like how you had put that Josh of like, it's all very well encapsulated. Like it made someone new and put him up on the shelf ready for his next thing with the whole complete backstory, whole complete adventure with an adventure tie-in. And it's very neat, orderly package, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's very like, you know, it's very classically done. And it's like, you know, when you think of a Captain America adventure, like this is it, right? Uh, so no complaints. Uh, I'm excited to dig into it. Yeah, so we're opening up in Puerto Rico, which if you have not caught on with the season of the podcast, is probably a bit of a, maybe not a red flag, but a yellow flag that um, maybe some stereotypes are going to find themselves into this storytelling. But we go inside, there's a, there's a cockfight outside, which is, you know, all sorts of tipping the hand of what's to come. Um, because inside, we see two boxers going at it, just like the roosters were. And um, the, our, our hero is doing okay it's more of a training thing so um he's undersized compared to the other guy like bantam weights are at the much lighter end compared to heavyweights so he's literally and figuratively maybe punching above his weight class in this training session and Um, he's he's given the opportunity to maybe increase his skills there's some air quotes happening there yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's approached by one of the more stereotypical crime lord, Puerto Rican crime lords I've ever encountered in fiction. He's got the gold tooth. He's wearing all white. I think he's got like a snake cane. Um, but he's offering uh, Roberto, uh, who will become Bantam, a chance to kind of augment his strength. And uh, Roberto is very hesitant to do that. He doesn't want to get involved with drugs. Um, you know, he do, he wants to make a name for himself through his virtue and his ability to fight, but obviously he's limited because he's a little guy. And would you know it, 10 seconds later, he's in a science lab getting experimented on. It looks like he's in a comic book press, actually. It, it looks like they're <laughs> trying to flatten out an issue. Um, but instead, yeah. it it's like a, a flat iron or a, a waffle iron applied to his chest and his face. Um, just like, not can't say words. He gets an, out an oomph, and that's about it. And I should call out, Daryl, your favorite onomatopoeia. It's not gunfire this time. It's a speed bag with a Buddha, 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 Buddha. Mm, I, I do love a good Buddha, Buddha. Um, and he gets out of this press, and he's like, that was it? And they're like, yeah, you're good to go, which seems very painless. Except yeah, as far as... Oh, go on. Oh, it's just a, he just had some tingles. Yeah, as far as like getting superpowers goes, there's usually like more of a trauma involved to it, right? He just kind of got got pressed by this a little bit of Kirby looking tech, and he's he's good to go. He just and hopped right from that to the ring in Miami. Like he's all set for a big fight, and they just sort of usher him out 
like there's very little downtime happening. Yeah, this power up press is just backstage in an arena. And um, then he goes out and he kills his opponent. Uh, uh, the first unexpected turn of this comic book is when he murders um, due to his strength because he goes into a blind rage over it. Yeah, um, Roberto's going through some stuff. He's got that Wolverine rage going on that seems to be tied to his powers. So it wasn't as easy getting those powers as maybe we thought it was. Um, and like, you know, the audience I'm sure is kind of horrified, but you know, the crime lord who set him up with this is all too happy. This was part of the plan, I think. He's very blasé about the whole thing. Like, oh yeah, it's fine. You'll be a champ. This will be good for your reputation that you just murdered someone. And I had to go back and read, like go back to these panels and try to figure out because the person wearing red is not in the red corner. Person wearing blue is not in the blue corner. And the puffs and jush and the cracks are not necessarily lining up with the text. But at least it gives a good sense of like what's happening to um, to Roberto, and his power seems to grow based on how much punishment he takes. Which is yeah, there's definitely that element. It's almost shades of strong guy, I'd say. I was about to say that. In terms, well, it's, yeah, uh, there are a lot of like energy absorbing guy even aaron fisher his new power set is somewhat similar to bantam so i'm actually curious what a, t a team up would look like or how you split the hairs on that um but it's you know it's a cool power set and we get to see it to its full potential later on when there's uh, the shootout before then roberto is horrified and runs out and he's like i'm not going to do this anymore and the crime lord is very upset. So upset he goes out in the rain and gets his gold tooth wet while he's shouting at him. And is like, come on, get back here. But he finds someone else to juice up. So it's not he, a um, whole... He wasted a whole Stella moment. Like he could have had a whole streetcar Marlon Brando scene and he just missed it. That's because he doesn't need it. Oh. Yeah, so um, the crime lord is out to get um, Roberto's friend Manuel into this situation. And it, a short time later, so, you know, 20 minutes later, Manuel's juiced up and ready to go. And it's, uh, it's more of the same coming from, from uh, the superpowered anger, anger rage. Well, Manuel was just waiting backstage for Roberto to return, but Roberto took a side door out. So... The crime lord is like, you got anything going? And he's like, nah, let's go. And Lazar beats Manny down in a, in a big way. But luckily, our hero comes back in, rushing from the side wings with a, with a crop top. A crop with top. There, it's a definite crop top. Not yeah, it was the style of the time. It's very, it's very chic on Roberto. Yeah, yeah, and in some of these panels, you're wondering, is it Roberto? Is it Grace Jones? We don't know. Oh. And he goes in trying to save his friend, and he does. The friend survived this encounter with one of the juiced up people. Um, 
and the fight ends due to interference and the crime lord is like, I knew you would come out. Welcome back. And yeah. then he gets, shot. He, he gets shot for his efforts. Yeah, and he gets knocked unconscious. His body gets dragged away and he gets put in like, it looks like a concrete coffin or something. I don't see any like doors on the coffin. It's just like a slab of gray. Um, and then they dump him in the ocean or I guess the ocean, the, key, the Florida Keys. And uh, it's you would think that that would be enough to kill him, but uh, he's he's punching his way out of that box, like Buffy Summer style. Yeah. Oh, I love the Buffy reference. And I love how the, the thugs are like, do you hear that? Oh no, he must have still be alive. We need to shoot him more. They toss him in and they're like, oh, do you hear that too? And they're like, oh no, it's just an alligator. It's fine. He can snack on some fresh meat that we dumped in. Then I was hoping he was gonna fight an alligator, but that doesn't that doesn't happen. Instead, he's confronted with a rooster because he needs <laughs> to he needs his, his bat motif to fly through the window. <laughs> and so it's a little ridiculous where he's like, you know what? I need a disguise, something no one will recognize me in. I'm going to grab some boxing gear. <laughs> like it no that was your job that was your job that's the same as wearing like a company t-shirt yeah one of my favorite captions i've ever read is in this comic and it's that night at a sporting goods store and sporting goods store is bolded for some reason so owned by armando aviles uh and then you see him like grabbing like the face mask and the gloves he's getting the whole group look together and um he breaks into the crime lord's den and just starts punching stuff. Um, but he also has this like rooster frock. What do you call? I don't know what you call that. The 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 feathers that come from the top of the head. The crest or the crown? Like, yeah. I don't know what sport he got that from at the sports store. Like, where is <laughs> what sporting what aisle is that in? <laughs> and. It, it's very comical as you go through and he's going up to this apartment because he doesn't want to bust the door totally in. He's trying to be nice. So he knocks on the door, except he's wearing boxing gloves, which begs the question how he opened any doors up to that point. I just see him with two boxing gloves trying to grip a knob in the middle and twist slightly and then pulling frantically. Um, well, and there's this question I have about the boxing gloves themselves, right? Because like, these are like clearly like classically padded boxing gloves. And like, that's almost counterintuitive to what his goal is in this particular mission is like, he's going to kill all the crime. And he, he instead he's using, like he's using kids, literally kids gloves. He does get adds insult to injury though, because the dude who he's going to, um, to confront is a guy who owned the sporting goods store. So it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to end your crime spree and shoplift from your store. And he does, like, there's some fun action panels in here. I couldn't figure out necessarily how he stayed upright but, or, like, what was happening with people's body positions, but it was still fun. I enjoyed this. Yeah, he makes them all shoot each other, which is just a masterful tactic mm -hmm. that... He's not really doing much. He's just aiming a person at another person. And it's working and, for him. 
maybe applying a little pressure to the neck so like they squeeze or something like that. And then he busts out. He's like, all right, I did what I wanted to do. And then we get Captain America. So Josh, give me your reaction to this first view of Captain America, which comes on page 24 of the comic. You almost forget that you're in a Captain America comic by this point, because you're pretty deep in. No one's talking about Captain America. No one's like talking about themes relevant. You know what I mean? So anyways, Captain America pulls up in Miami in his Captain America motorcycle, which has the big star on it. And he also got, he has the whole helmet, which it's like the most toyetic Captain America could possibly look. I think there is an action figure of this helmet as well as the figure, but he's in Miami and he's, he's, uh, he's investigating this missing persons report uh, in connection to strength augmentation that how it's infiltrated professional boxing. So like, that's fun for Steve. Uh, Historically, he's into boxing. So I kind of understand why he'd want to like tango in this and not send like Falcon or someone after it. And everyone in Miami is terrified that Captain America is in town as they should be because nothing good comes when Cap's around. (laughs) It's true. I mean, if it's bad enough that he's hunting it in your city, just go back to your house, lock the door, don't come out. Pretend it's a severe weather drill. Go in the basement. Stay away from windows. Mm-hmm. In LA, go to a doorway. Stand underneath it. Um, and he goes up and he talks to Manny, the friend, because Manny called in a hot tip, but then regretted it. Um, so Manny's like, no, no, no. I, uh, I got my bell rung. I got punched real hard. So, uh, nothing here and he turned up he called me everything is fine the person that i thought was missing but also please leave go away um it was serving some of those those vibes and yeah uh something that caught my eye is that um manuel called captain america's hotline like he captain america has like a party line i guess you can just call in crime which is pretty exciting He does. It even came up in the Avengers of this era where he was operating a hotline. So he didn't appear in some Avengers stuff because he was responding to hotline calls. I mean, I think we're all about the age where we actually remember how pervasive like 1-800-1900 like phone call technology was. This was definitely of its era for Captain America to have a hotline. What do you think it was? 1-800- Oh... Cap help. Um, That's a good one. That is good. I'd go with that. A V E N G E Avenger. Okay. Oh. Yeah. And like, whose job is it to then compile all these hotline tips? I just imagine Jarvis. like a bank of phones, sort of. Jarvis like- is just running a phone bank somewhere. <laughs> it is. It's Jarvis stuck alone in a room with twenty phones around him. It's like the PBS uh, fundraisers where they'd be like river dance or something and then they'd queue to the studio with like all these retirees manning phones just, take down messages. It's just the Avengers West Coast or Force Works or, you know, there are <laughs> people around to do that. Yeah. What is Clint doing? Nothing. I'd, I'd say what is Mockingbird doing, but she was almost dead by this point. So, oh, yeah. Oh, that took a turn. Yeah, well, it Cap can't be anywhere, everywhere, but he is still here. He knows that something's wrong. After he leaves, Manny gets roughed up. 
by uh, the juiced up thug and but roughed up you mean thrown out a window that's roughing <laughs> very roughing and it's the guy and that put to the hospital to begin with heavy or hammer hands lazar is the culprit here um who just and, walks away it, like it really does play into the whole scrubs can cover up any body type because he just whipped on a doctor's coat and walked past the nurses who ran into the room because they heard glass so um you never know what's lurking underneath scrubs in a hospital it could be him apparently and this is a, not his first uh, sport that he's investigating the augmentation. He apparently, in the issues prior to this, was investigating some uh, added strength in wrestling, which we, we stand, we'd be here for a Captain America wrestling issue. I'm yeah, sure. did I make, is this, is this the power broker or one of the power? Is this what, that's the whole, that's the deal of the scientist here? Like that's I just think. like this villain handle? Or yes. at least a power broker copycat. It's Dr. Malice. And, but he seems to recognize Captain America and what Captain Cap was referencing happening on the West Coast with power broker. So maybe they're the same person. Yeah, this, I don't, I'd be curious to dig up this part of uh, Grunwald's run because this seems like a kind of a pet villain of Grunwald that he's happy to like throw into this annual. So we get a new boxer named Rolo who just punched out some hunk. And he's like, feed me more, basically. Um, <laughs> like, I need to break a sweat in this workout. And none of the people you are sending in here are worth it. Um, but the crime boss seems nonplussed. And then this mystery person, Mr. Stevens, rolls in. And I was like, oh, how much is it to fight this guy? 50 bucks? If I go the whole round, make it 500. And yeah, so they're all too happy to, to take his money away um, and potentially kill him. Because again, these people are way out of a, a normal human's class. And they fight in like a really cool page, actually. I love these, like when they do the entire fight, basically in like a splash page. Like, I think it's really well done here. And then Steve's like, uh, Steve says he's outclassed strength-wise, but it's only through Steve's fighting ability and like skill that he's able to overpower this thug. Yeah, he's worried that his face is going to get bashed in. Um, with all the dips and dives and dodges, he manages to come out on top. Looking very hunky in the background. Yeah. But, but he's grabbed by the goons, because of course. Who are also augmented. Yeah, which is not unexpected, at least for Captain America. Like he's not going in half cocked. He knows what he's getting into, and he's like, "I'll, I'll take a check. You don't need to rough me up. It's only five hundred. I thought that was fun. Um, and then this whole plan gets sort of gets revealed. Like, you are clearly augmented. How did you get this way? Take him to the lab. Yeah, because Steve claims that he's a mutant. That's like his defense. He's like, oh, I got my powers because I'm a mutant. And they're like, we'll see. Uh, not looking good for you, kid. Uh, and then um, back at the hospital, Roberto goes in to check on his friend. 
And the nurses kind of clumsily reveal that he, his friend had been tossed out of a window. Um, and we, so we go back to Steve, who's about to get like, he's at the same lab that Roberto got his powers in. Um, they let him and, put clothes on unexpectedly. Yeah, that was nice of them. And the jacket too. It's a full costume change. <laughs> They're like, we're going down near the water. So you want to like, Maybe layer you, up. It's a little breezy tonight. You might get chilly. This also like raises some other questions later because he changes into his Captain America costume and he's like, where did that come? Anyways, it's classic superheroes. Like, where did that costume come from? I wonder if this jacket is like the, like Daryl, you mentioned the 90s Avengers bomber jackets. Like maybe this is a spare before all the logos went on. They just have a, mm. a closet full for just such incognito occasions jarvis is so busy answering the phones he didn't sew the patches on yet so <laughs> so we go in there's a big the dome which i don't know how i feel i love the honor but i don't know how i feel about the dome uh and it's bantam coming in and he's I think, throwing i think the the dump is his initial pass at the wall like maybe he needed two to break through oh it's because of so much padding in the gloves oh mm -hmm. yeah that makes and, sense and bantam when he does crash through the wall slash door because it's a very square opening he's coming through um he uh, misses hitting steve rogers and instead goes after all the goons and just sort of jumps in like he has a good leap on him so he it's basically a spear into the room that he executes and he kicks ass like dr malice is like hey Cruz, we need to get out of here like we cannot be here anymore yeah um, they have other boxers to juice up they can't just get bothered by one boxer it takes, what, 20, 30 seconds to make another boxer? Come on. Yeah. Time is money. But uh, Cruz, in an act of rage, picks up this giant vat, throws it at Bantam, which maybe is why they can't make more. Maybe all the, all the good stuff was in that vat, and now it's just broken because it got thrown at Bantam, who just, like, shrugs it off when, with an R, just sort of, like, comes out of it like a giant birthday cake. Yeah, and this is like this is like hard early 90s, late 80s, because they decide that they're gonna escape Bantam on a speedboat, which is like the perfect way to escape. It's like a very Miami Vice, like literally a Miami Vice situation they're in. Um, Cap reveals himself. Again, I don't know where the shield came from. I don't know where the costume came from. He looks great as always. Um, and then Malice, <laughs> Malice says, I hate this man. And uh, Malice has, a, there's a fun editor's note, Malice met Cat back in, in number 328, and then he smashes their heads together, seemingly killing them instantly, but uh, Malice is back later on, I'm sure. Uh, so we've got some other thugs on the run, but in, before then, Captain America and Bantam have to do that. Um, you're a good guy too, kind of fight. Yes, if we only used our words to talk about it, we would know this about each other, but we're not. We're just going to fight and then figure out that we're actually allies. And he pins him up against the wall with the shield, and it's like a few minutes of immobility later. So Cap was just pinning him against the wall for a solid 10. 
where he's like, all right, come on, come down. Which, it's okay. Which in a page makes so much more sense than like why Malice and Cruz got away because they woke up from being knocked out, this meeting of the minds, and then just walked out the side door while Cap was too busy holding down Bantam. But eventually- No, it's setting, setting up a speedboat is not a quick thing to do. You have to unmoor it from the anchor. You have to like dust everything off and get the cover off. So like they had things they had to do while Cap was like sitting on, on Bantam. It wouldn't start for a while. Like they choked it a bit too much. Then they flooded it while they were pulling mm-hmm. the board. They had to wait for it to settle down a few minutes. And then they were off. And Cap chucks an anchor onto the boat where it hooks. He grabs the rope. And all of a sudden, he's water skiing. It's just um, legitimately great. It is. <laughs> it's like, I've never done this before, but I've always wanted to. And he is, uh, he is riding that shield like it's water skis, and he's about to jump a shark. And it's fantastic. Um, I, didn't, I didn't have this on my bingo card for covering on a podcast, but it's here, and it's a useful strategy. I'm really shocked I've not seen this happen before. Like when I tapped, my, my eyes lit up because I was like, of course that's something Cap could do. He could water ski on the shield and they do it in a way, like it's not that cheesy, you know? Like it's, they, they play it seriously. It's, it's pretty effective. <laughs> I mean, yeah. use what you've got, right? Yeah. Now I want to see him use it in other ways. Like, can he sled in the snow? I bet he has. Oh. He's on the advent of snowboarding here in 93. Oh. Oh, he's just about to get into the X Games. Yeah, he is. <laughs> get that Mountain Dew sponsorship. Um, And then they catch up to the bad guys, and that's it. And yeah, has his, like, uh, head, not minion, head henchman battle with Hammerhands Lazar to get some measure of payback for having murdered Manny and they yeah it's sort of abrupt how they end it but they end amicably between the two of them yeah they end with like a broy handshake and Captain America's like we're going to come up with a test so that boxing can remain pure and that is that will settle the matter once and for all and no one ever had an issue with juicing and boxing ever again nope not at all this solved everything But don't worry, the Bantam returns in the story called Bantam Returns on the next page. In case Um, you missed him during the page turn, he's back. There's a a coloring challenge on this first page where he is fully colored like Captain America with the pinkest skin ever. Um, And you're like, "No, no, he... That that's not how you established his style throughout. Okay, but sure, mm-hmm. it's the nineties. He looks a lot like there's this DC character from Infinity Inc. called like I think it's Nucleon or Nucleon, and he has like he has like a um, a mohawk in a very similar style to Bantam because now when you see Bantam, they're coloring him like a white guy in Bantam Returns. Like he looks just like this other character. But anyway, I digress. Um, Roberto's punching some bags in his full costume inexplicably. And he, he recaps his origin story, which we just read. Um, and 
what is he doing? He's just punching the bag and, and emoting as one does. It's true. He's trying to make himself feel better. So he's doing the 90s thing of like, I'll do a physical activity that you enjoy. And he's working it out, and except he's not actually working out because it's not actually making him feel better. And his old trainer comes in. He's like, oh, you're back. I thought you had disappeared and we're gone forever. Now that you're back, you can get back in the ring, get back to fighting. But so also, ban- before he starts hitting him up for all this, he's like, wait, you're the Bantam? And then me as a reader realized this guy was just working out in his superhero costume. <laughs> like he decided to pull it on for a workout, even though he never wants to really do anything with it. Like at this point, Bantam isn't really committed to solving crime. So I guess he just, he was feeling it. And his old trainer is like, wait, you're the Bantam. And he's like, yes, and I'll kill someone if I ever use my powers again. I can never box. It should be said that he got this costume to be in disguise, but it's like the superhero cowl or those big foamy boxing masks, helmets. Yeah. But your whole face is still exposed. So I don't know how this was effective as a disguise when your whole face is still readily seen by everyone. Yeah, they fix they fix Bantam's coloring uh, a little bit here. So that's good. But um, also, you know, it's 90s, it's early coloring, so they can't get anything right. But, uh, you know, so uh, the, the trainer is like, there are other ways to make a difference and be a fighter, even if you yourself aren't like in the ring. Um, he doesn't have to give up on boxing and Bantam's like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to take a stroll at night in my Bantam costume. That'll really clear my head. Yeah, the trainer was just going for the whole like, have you heard of the Big Brothers Big Sisters program? And Bantam's like, no thanks. And goes for a stroll. And uh, then he runs across, of course, a gang. It's the early 90s. Gangs are everywhere in comics. And um, Puerto Rico is no exception to the rule. So he's like, my name is Bantam. You should not like be bad. It It's some high-level moralizing. Right now. It's high-level moralizing, and then we get one of them um, named Hector comes out and just shoots him. He's like, I'm going to end this challenge right now. No, he said he says, I'll show you how a rope-a-dope. And uh, but he says it in parentheses, meaning he's speaking it in in another language which is just wonderful this is all within those parentheses that indicate and i don't think they ever give us the footnote where we they say uh, like translated from the spanish Um, yeah but also it gets really mixed up in this story where later on it says lost your peace amigo it's like wait a minute what language is he speaking where I are we not translating just things when the writer wants to toss in a word in Spanish? I guess this is not. a real concern. I mean, I'll sidebar really quickly because I write for Blue Beetle at DC Comics, and Blue Beetle is a Mexican-American superhero, and we have Spanish language dialogue that's not translated. And so that's been a sometimes readers will be like, 
a little irked by that. And I can't just put in parentheses. And it's like, no, that's not authentic to the situation that he lives in. And also like we get a situation like this where they're everything, they're saying rope-a-dope in parentheses. And you're like, they wouldn't say that. Like that's just not, not how the translation works. It's just Mark Grinwald or actually I think it's a different writer on this story. Um, it is, yeah. yeah. But it's always, it's always messy. Uh, and they're, they fall into a lot of tropes, I think in how they present the, the Spanglish of it all. It, this is Barry Dutter who wrote this. So um, I agree, it's Trope City. And there's a, it's very moralizing in terms of a backup story where they're like, look at what good Bantam can do. And he's like, you know what you should do with your aggression? You should work out like me. You should box. And then we cut to a couple days later when a couple of the gang members are in the gym boxing. And um, the trainer is like, wow, you know, you took my advice to heart and you're becoming a trainer yourself. And it's not every gang member that's here, but it's some of them. And you saved them from the streets. And this is when Roberto is like, yeah, I think I can do some good here. Maybe I will be a trainer. With the little ghost of Captain America in the background. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a happy ending. He didn't solve gang wars, you know. So I, I give the the creative team credit for not doing that. Um, but this is like a boxing trope too, right? Like I'm going to take these rough kids off the streets and I'm going to give them some discipline in the ring, and then they're going to turn out to be Rocky Balboa or whatever. Um, so you know, Rocky was riding high at this period too. So there's a lot going on, and Jean Claude Van Damme and all mm -hmm. of that was so big in the early '90s. Having never seen any of the Rocky movies, you just summarized my whole knowledge of them in those sentences. <laughs> oh, they're so the good ones are so good. Oh, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> was it so many one, one, two, six. Creed, Creed 2, and Creed 3 are good. Okay. Oh, that's... It's not like in Star Trek where it's like the even ones and the odd ones, like... No, it's all over the map. And they're like a little, like... The, the other ones are entertaining because they're like kind of high camp. Um, but they're just different. Like the first one's like about stuff. And then like they just kind of stop being about stuff immediately. And then to close out the issue, we have a couple pinups because they needed to take up some page space. Um, I really like the one of Falcon, the double page. It I don't like this Falcon costume normally, but I think it's really well rendered here. Yes, agreed. The crossbones, we get a crossbones image. It's like, huh? yeah, that's him. It's um, very mean. We have one of those classic Cap and Falcon shots where like Falcon's flying at just the right time. Like the pic, you know what I mean? Like Falcon's yep. kind of flying over Cap's shoulder and you're like, wow, the photographer caught that at the exact perfect moment to frame that shot. With the American flag fluttering in the mm -hmm. breeze, you have the, the Empire State Building in the background. Um, who is this woman? Oh, that's Diamondback. Oh. She's holding diamonds. That's how you know. Oh, there we. And she's wearing a lot of diamonds. Now that I, I don't look. know the timing of this, but she was she was Cap's will they or won't they? The bad girl who Cap wanted to like reform oh. around this period. 
we haven't seen, I don't think we've seen her in a long time, actually. Maybe she's dead. I, I should probably know this. And then we get a big double page for Bantam, the new star of the Marvel Universe. Except not. So um, I looked up his other... It is a fun spread, but Bantam returns twice. He's in Captain America Annual 13 in a pinup. Um, yeah. And then he is in Civil War. Um, Civil War Frontline. Oh, I'm looking it up right now. Frontline number three, where he dies. Oh, you know, he dies? dies um man the, the superhuman registration act really it took says, a toll on some of our favorite characters after enactment of the superhero registration act bantam was among the heroes who immediately registered with the government and subsequently confronted the unregistered hero known as thunderclap on a manhattan street believing he could convince thunderclap to register through force in the ensuing battle Bantam was thrust into an oil truck, which exploded and killed the hero. Rude. Yikes. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate, but I mean, that that superhero moniker is now on the table if anyone wants to become the new Bantam. Ooh, I, opportunity exists, Josh. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll let my editor know that Bantam is up for play. Uh, I don't see that happening. I... Puerto Rico needs more heroes. I don't know if, the, if Bantam is the way to go. <laughs> that, that's entirely fair. So, uh, Philip, would you want to read more Bantam if there was more Bantam? Maybe. I mean, he's likable. It'd be fun to get him in a story that's not just something he can punch his way out of. Might give him some other side skills, maybe. Fair. I'm on the fence about him. The what did you think about the issue overall, Josh? Uh, like I said, it's a very like A to B to C plot, but like I I mostly enjoyed it. Like it's very much. I mean, every time I do one of these things, it's like it's very much of its time. Um, there are no female characters in the story. I think only the nurses have a line in it, but which is kind of insane. But um, I, I mostly, I feel bad for Bantam, especially knowing that he gets blown up like 20 years later in a Civil War crossover. Um, but, because they needed a warm body to blow up. Sure. And uh, I, I, I think it's, it's fine. You know what I mean? It's, there's a, there's a lot of like messy Spanglish happening and obviously like the cockfighting motif like doesn't probably wasn't great at the time. It's certainly not good now. Um, I don't know. Uh, you, you served us well in your moment, Bantam. May you rest in peace. <laughs> um, Is this new character that's we find out has perished. A lot of them just disappear. Like Assassin is still walking on the bottom of the ocean for as long as, as far as we know. Or Rigor Mortis, who was not the new character, but a new character that we loved. Maybe she's still stuck in concrete, but... You were saying that all the annuals of this year introduced new heroes? 
Yes, all 27 annuals introduced a new hero. Oh my god. <laughs> so what? Uh, some of them, most of them I feel like don't come back ever again. Some of them we learned fairly recently will come back for the Civil War stuff. Um, which I guess is the, the time when you need to bring everyone in. Uh, and and they totally, like, I don't know who came up with the idea first. DC also did all new characters for their annuals in 1993. Gosh, later DC does a similar one where they're like, we're going to do only new international heroes and none of them stick. Because I'm <laughs> oh, always in the who's who and I'm like, hmm, maybe I can bring back whatever. And like, no, you're not going to do that, Josh. Don't do that. <laughs> Come up with something new. So I guess 1993 has just a plethora of people to choose from that haven't really been used since. Or yeah. I'm going to dig around. Now I'm so curious who else got introduced during this kind of wave of new heroes. Yeah, um, I can, I feel I had it built somewhere. I can share a list with you. I have it was in the survey. Oh, yeah, that you the yeah, so. Um, and some of them we really liked, like Nocturne, we really, I really enjoyed. I had a whole like emotional moment and I'm not one to cry at movies or anything, but I had an emotional moment with her story. She was great. Um, Wait, Nocturne, is great. Nocturne Kirk's daughter? Am I thinking of that right? You're thinking of a, a different Nocturne. Okay. Oh no. Oh, yes. yes. I, there are two oh. Nocturnes. Yeah, there are some great new characters introduced. Bantam, I think he would have to be reworked to come back in a pretty big way to give him more dimensionality because he is basically the hunch for revenge is what his personality ended up being. So Yeah, the boxer the boxer motif is fine. I get the Bantam name's good. Uh the again, the cockfighting, the the weirdly the cultural motifs need to be reworked and updated. Yeah. And uh, I think this is an example of Grunwald understanding the assignment that he was given by uh, um, overall editorial. And is like, all right, well, I'll bang out a story with a new character. Sure. Like it, the guy had a bazillion ideas in his head and I'm sure he just it, scripted this out within like half an hour it's not complex as a story, um, but it is entertaining. No, I'm sure like, you know, um, a lot of us kids of uh, like minority backgrounds, you know, it means a lot to have any sort of representation, especially in the 90s where there's like nothing. Um, so I, I'm sure there are a lot of Bantam fans out there of, uh, you know, of our age group. Someone did reach out because I'm commissioning Art of Lucas to do some of the heads for us. Um, so corner box style heads for a lot of these first appearance characters. And someone's like, are you going to do Bantam? And I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. Because there, even though there are 27 issues, there are more than 30 first appearance characters. And I'm mm -hmm. like... It costs money to commission an artist to do something. So Bantam is not on like the top of my list. But there was someone who specifically reached out and asked about Bantam, which I think speaks to your point. There are people out there who read this and love Bantam, which is great. Well, it's, it's a cliche to say that everyone's character is someone's favorite, but it's honestly true. 
especially for me and like the F listers that I, I champion from time to time. Yeah. But I mean, we're still waiting on porcupine. Oh my God, my, my baby porcupine. Um, someday, someday, Marvel needs to call me. I, I don't have a plan, but I will, I will come up with one when the moment I strikes. mean, they need to get you in on one of the anthologies like Crypt of Shadows for a zombie porcupine appearance. You know what it is when you get to do the when you're ever honored enough to get to do one of these anthologies or these like backup stories they're like tell whatever kind of story you want they give you like vague guidelines and I always choose the f-listers like I did a Batman story and they're like you can tell any Batman story you want and I'm like I want to tell a story about Alfred and they're like what what and then I ended up telling a story about Alfred you know what I mean like that's Josh, you need to think about this for a second. <laughs> That's so cool. So um, maybe, hopefully, um, reviewing this issue has given you some thoughts on maybe not characters to use, but maybe some plot devices like a griddle um, mm -hmm. to power up some heroes or something like that. Keeping in mind that this is releasing in November, is there anything you would like to direct folks to is it your social media? Are there any projects? Oh gosh, uh, so who knows what social media will look like as of this this release? But um, you can find me on something at Lost His Keys Man. I lost my keys, man. And um, Blue Beetle is ongoing from DC Comics. It launched in September, so November will be issue three, which has some exciting reveals about our new villain, the Blood Scarab. So catch up and start reading. Um, but I'll be I'll be lurking around the corners and hopefully some new uh, projects from Marvel and other other publishers in the offing. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Josh. You can find us at Instagram at X Factor Files Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah, anytime. Again, thank you for having me. Yeah, see ya. Be well.